they added this because, you know, I'm too dark. <laughs> okay. Rooted and grounded. This is the second part of our mini-series within our series uh, in the book of Ephesians. Um, please turn your Bibles over to Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going to be reading from the King James Version. I don't usually do that. Uh, I don't know why I'm doing it now, but you'll see. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you once again for this day, this evening that you have blessed us with, to be with our loved ones and spend another day and uh, with them and have their company. We also thank you for this church body that you have placed us in and this building that you provided for us, all of which you have chosen for us. We commit now, Lord God, the message that you have for us this evening. I pray now for me, Lord God, please forgive me for all of my sins, Lord. Just use me as your vessel. Let your message be heard. As they hear my voice, Father God, may their hearts be open to your voice. I am your unworthy servant, Lord God, and we're just, I'm depending on you completely. Speak your love and your truth, your grace and your mercy to your people that are here this evening. We pray for the souls of those who still have to surrender to you. I pray that this will be the evening, that they will accept you as their Lord. And I pray for healing for the souls that are hurting. And for those who are sick, Father, we ask for their healing as well. We commit everything to you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Again, the title of our message is to be rooted. But uh, a recap from, uh, rooted and grounded, but a recap from last week. Uh, we discussed Christ in our hearts, to, for Christ to dwell in our hearts, not temporarily, but permanently. Right? Permanently. And as Christ, as we invite Christ to dwell in our hearts, what are the things he usually sees there or the things that we are to give up are the idols of our, our hearts because human hearts are idol factories. Um, those are the, the money, our recreation, our hobbies, and our relationships. And if they took the place of God in our lives, then they become essentially as idols. Now, tonight we're going to be tackling the second part of that whole idea of Ephesians 14 to 21 or to, to 19. Um, about love, I, I need to discuss a few things with us tonight about love in order for us to truly grasp what Paul is saying. You know, I was telling Deacon John earlier that it would have been simpler if God would have kept, kept it simpler for us tonight. But he wants us to dive in and elaborate because there's, the, the, the world has different definitions of love. And it's not the biblical love. World's love is more often lust, right? They, we lust you. 
We don't say that. We say, I love you, so we can sleep with a girl or boy. Words love is usually selfish because they say, I love you because I need you. I don't want to be lonely. I love you because you make me feel good and I cannot live without you in my life. You know, it's, it's usually selfish. And we have an illustration based on the world's description of what love is. And that's Amon, Amon and uh, his Amon, which is the, one of the sons of David, and his lust towards his sister, Tamar. Let's read it real fast. Second Samuel 13, 1-2. In the course of time, Amnon, it's not Amnon, um, Amnon, son of David, fell in love with Tamar, the beautiful sister of Absalom, son of David. Amnon become, became so obsessed with his sister Tamar that he made himself ill. She was a virgin, and it seemed impossible for him to do anything to her. Verse 4 reads, I'm in love with Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. You see those words? He, he loved her. He, he obsessed over her that he made him sick. And then verse 12 to 14, No, my brother, she said to him. This is Tamar speaking to Amnon. Don't force me. Such a thing should not be done in Israel. Don't do this wicked thing. What about me? Where could I get rid of my disgrace? And what about you? You would be like one of the wicked fools in Israel. Please speak to the king. He will not keep me from being married to you. Verse 14. But he refused to listen to her. And since he was stronger than she, he raped her. What first? Maybe the first recorded rape? Maybe not? Verse 15 to 17. Then Amnon hated her. After he raped her, then he hated her. He hated her with intense hatred. In fact, he hated her more than he loved her. Amnon said to her, get up and get out. No, she said to him, sending me away would be, greater, would be a greater wrong than what you have already done to me. But he refused to listen to her. He called his personal servant and said, get this woman out of my sight and bolt the door after her. Now, all of God's word is God-breathed, God right? It is inspired by the Holy Spirit. The people that wrote it was, were inspired by the Holy Spirit. And all these accounts truly happened. Now, what we see here is what the world's description of love. It's selfish, and it's not love, it's lust. And it doesn't care. Selfishness, which is sin, does not care about anyone else. We want to get it. Who cares what the other person or God thinks about it? That's what the world doesn't, isn't that what the world says? YOLO, right? You only live once, might as well sleep with her or him. It's now or never. She might leave for the Philippines or he might leave for whatever. Might as well do it now, right? Or how about riches? You know, the, the world, like, oh, you know, it's one drug deal here or one illegal carrier here. It's do it one time and then live righteously afterwards. Right? There's, there's a difficulty, there's a huge difficulty with the world when they read God's, with the world when they read God's word. There's no discernment. They cannot understand it. It's foolishness to them. But the sadness is when us believers, when we read the word of God and we want it to, what? To adjust to our lifestyle, to adjust to our culture, which is incorrect. 
We have to read the Word of God and let our lives adjust to the Word of God. So, to tonight, for tonight's topic, it says to be rooted and grounded to the love of Christ. So we're not, we're, we're going to eliminate what you think is love, right? What we think is love. We have to erase that completely tonight. We have to approach it with the agape love that Paul meant when he wrote that. The original language of that is agape love. So, in verse 17, being rooted and grounded in love. The, the original language is to, the, of, of being rooted is to strike root, to strengthen with roots and to render firm, basically to have a good standing. You know, when, when the trees are, are mature, their roots are deeper, right? They get deeper. They reach down deeper. And then the grounded, the original meaning is to lay foundation and to make stable and to establish. Now, what, what's the word say if we put it together? To be rooted, to be strengthened, to create roots, to fix, to establish, and to make foundation in love, in Christ's love. Right? We're, we're, the older the tree, the deeper the roots. Now, roots do more than just provide anchorage. It does provide anchorage. It makes it stand firm. Now, the roots, it searches for nutrients and water. It serves as a conduit with the nutrients and also stores the nutrients when needed. Now, people focus, pe people may focus more on what they see of trees, but the real importance is what lies underneath. Now, it's the same with us spiritually. When you see a believer, sometimes, you know, they're at church, they're, they're, they're well-kept, you know, they look good. They look good physically and they look good religiously. But what, what truly matters, and we know this, right? What truly matters is what's in the heart. Anybody can come to church wearing whatever they're wearing, but it, what really matters is what, where their heart is. And if we look and be honest with ourselves, when we do our own spiritual inventory, we look at ourselves and we say, Lord, just like David, right? Tell me what's wrong with me. Tell me what's wrong with me. Because what's underneath is more important. So now as we've been discussing the book of Ephesians, right? We've, we've tackled so many things. And last week when we said, let Christ dwell in your hearts. The only way that we can truly have Christ dwell in our hearts permanently is if we will root it, if we will get it from our love for Christ. From our love for Christ. But at the same time, what Paul is really saying is, we have to get it from God's love for us. Because, you know, our love for God does not matter. There's no way that we can love God if God doesn't love us first. We might be confused, right? Right? We love because He first loved us. So when Paul says to the when he said to the Ephesian church and us now to be rooted and grounded in the love of Christ, that is what will give us strength to be rooted and grounded in Christ. It will give us strength to stand against the storms in our lives, the challenges in our lives, the trials in our lives. 
right? If we are rooted and, and grounded in the love of Christ, it doesn't matter what we will be facing in life. Now, that's not saying that the challenges you are facing, that I am facing, means it doesn't hurt us. It hurts us. It bothers us. Correct? We feel every heartache. We feel every disappointment. We feel every hurt. But being rooted and grounded in the love of Christ, it makes us stand against the storms. You know, when trees grow, when they grow, the deeper, the stronger the storm, the deeper their, their roots go. They go down, down the, in the ground, searching for something to grab on so that they won't fall. They're, they're, it's searching there. And for us believers, we have to reach down, reach down and be rooted and grounded in the love of Christ. Look at Romans 8, 35 to 37. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. We root ourselves, our hearts, in Christ. We root it in Christ, for His love for us, not for our love for, for Him. Because our love for Him might go away. Right? From time and time again, if we're going to be honest, sometimes we live as if we don't love Christ. I'll be the first one to admit it. Maybe just me. Maybe it's just me. Because when challenges happen in our lives, we question. We question our commitment. We question. It's just human nature. I don't know about you, but it's just human nature. Am I in the right place? Because if I am in the right place, why are the challenges so much? And why is it so difficult? Does God really love me? Because if He loves me, why are these things, why are these people keep attacking me? Why are these things happening, right? Now maybe you're looking there and you're thinking, well, you know, he's a pastor, he should be more mature than this. Maybe, maybe. But you know, like what we said, these challenges, these challenges, they will hurt. These challenges make, will make us question. These challenges, we feel it. The storms we will feel, it will push. It will push us. But then we get our roots down, not for our love for Christ, but His love for us. Be rooted and grounded in the love of Christ that is in us. That is the only way that we can have Christ dwell in our hearts permanently. Next slide. Now when the world says God is love, Right? Have you heard this? Your unbelieving friends, they say, well, you know, man, you know, I, I, I'm glad it's working for you. I'm, I'm glad Christianity is working for you. Born again Christians working for you. You are being a pastor now works for you. I'm glad it works for you. But for me, you know, God is love. <laughs> they quote a verse and then they live as if they're the devil, right? You know what they're really saying when they say God is love? They're saying, in my opinion, if God is love, and God loves the world, then I can live my life the way I want to, even if it is against His will. Meaning, even if I sin against Him. 
The world says that. God is love. And then we can say, because of what we know, that the word of the Lord makes not, no sense to the world, to the unbelievers. There is no power. They have no power to resist the lie of the enemy. We can say, you know, they can't help themselves. But when a Christian, when a believer says this, well, God is love, and I can continue to live my sinful ways. Now, there, that's where the problem is. Now, that's where the problem is, because... You know, we, I don't have it here, but I'll read it. Mark 12, 30 to 31, because we had it last week. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. The two greatest commandments, the summary of the Ten Commandments, the summary of the law. If you love God with your entire being, you will love other people. Meaning, you can fulfill the law. Because 1 to 10 is for God. The one, 1 to 3 is for God. And then 4, four to 10 is for, the, for our fellow men. Right? So, so there's, there's that thing. We need to understand. How, how can I truly understand what, when they say God is love? So help us if we go to the next verse. The other verses of the Bible. So see... There's a need for us believers to study the Word. There's a need for us believers to dive into the Word and study. Don't just be comfortable and be content with the two or three verses that you've learned when you accepted Christ 10 years ago. There is a huge problem if you only have memorized John 3.16, Ephesians 2.8.9 for 20 years. And if you haven't added to your mindset, to your tools in your mind about the other doctrines that the Bible teaches us about our faith. And you are still living loosely and speaking loosely and becoming, instead of a becoming, becoming a stepping stone for other people to come to Christ, you've become a stumbling block. So, God is love, right? And these are the verses where you can see that. Well, the, the, the two. There's more. 1 John 4, 8. God, because God is love. 1 John 4, 16. God is love. Now, I wrote it there. It doesn't say, love is God. But that's what the world is saying when they say, well, you know, God is love. So, I love everybody. I love the gay people. And I am okay, I'm okay with their lifestyle because God is love. Now, I have a, a, a gay sister, the younger one, not the older one. Uh, but I love her, okay? I love my younger sister, but I hate her lifestyle. And because of my love for God and my love for her, I told her what the Bible says about her lifestyle. Right? There's no compromise there. See, most of the time, what, what do we do when we say, God is love? Oh, I love her and I should be accepting. I should be accepting of anything and everything that they do. And you say, you see, it doesn't say love is God, but what do we do? What, what do we see the world, what, they, what do they do? They make 
it make love as if love covers everything because the Bible says love covers a multitude of sin right love covers a multitude of sin but that again that's that's a that's a misnomer because yes love God's love covers a multitude of sin and us believers of God we are told to forgive those who have wronged us correct and because of we can forgive those who have wronged us because we realize that we've been multiple times for many times God has forgiven us so why don't we forgive them in return correct but at the same time that is love and that is grace but at the same time there's a right way to handle those other those relationships that you've been hurt in you just don't again be stupidly accepting of them if you know that they're out there to again hurt you right no <laughs> explain more pastor how much time do you have this is one of the most slippery slopes in 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 this um about god's love what do i mean this is okay we're gonna segue here when we forgive people right because god told us to forgive those who have offended us we are to forgive them correct but it doesn't mean we are to trust them again especially on specific offenses the bible shows us that now somebody will say well you know god forgives and god forgets now what if you had a brother or a sister in christ that cheated you in business that mismanaged the money right they mismanaged the money and you found out about it and then you come to me and you tell me about it. what do you think i'm going to say oh you forgive them right that's true i'll tell you forgive them and then should i tell you continue with the business <laughs> well why not god forgave you and god doesn't keep any strings attached there no we are not to trust them again because you know we are to forgive them but we the consequences remain right the consequences remain we are to forgive but we have no control of the consequences of their sin there's consequences in every sin so now in that particular relationship you have to end that business relationship because they can't be trusted at least you've forgiven them and god forgives them correct so again focus back on love god's love god's love is costly right it's not cheap god's love is not cheap now we have to complete now everything is about context right you guys don't just open your bibles and say oh, okay that's what i want to do it says go and make disciples ah, i've been wanting to go to the philippines go and make disciples i flipped it there i'm going right no but everything's about context what is the context of these verses when paul or when john said god is love here's the complete context of it beloved let us love one another for love is from god and whoever loves has been born of god and knows god anyone who does not love does not know god because god is love see there's the full context of when you see god is love in first john 4 8 
Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So not the love, agape love, not the phileo love, but the agape love, unconditional love. Right? So again, when somebody hurts us, we are told if they ask for forgiveness, and sometimes even if they don't, most of the time, some people that hurt us are dead. Right? Can they actually ask for forgiveness from us? No, but we are because we have God's love. We are to forgive them. Forgiving them is a show of love. It's a proof of God's love. And then look at 1 John 4.16. So we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. God abides in the person that abides in God's word, in God's love. So this is not, again, this is not the shallow love that Hollywood has taught us for a long time. See, this is why we come to church. This is why we read the word. We are to renew our minds by the use of the word, right? We're tackling love tonight. We're tackling and we're elaborating it because there's a big need. There's a big need because there's a big lie in what love is. We are to be rooted and grounded in the love of Christ. Rooted and grounded in the love of Christ. And what is the, what is the, the, the meaning, the whole point of it? So that we may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, passes understanding in, in your NIV version. That you might be filled with the fullness of God. That you will be filled with God. If you, if, you get, if you have Christ to dwell in your heart permanently, you will be able to root down, reach down for, God's, for Christ's love for you. And that is the only way that you can truly understand what love is and to be grounded in His love for you. Now, we're going to explain this. The breath, which means with or wide. The wideness of it. We are to understand how wide Christ's love is. The length. It's emphasizing how far Christ's love will go. How far He will go with our love, with His love. The depth and height is the altitude for the height and how deep. The deepness, like the deepness of the ocean. Right? So you know that both space and the deepness, uh, the, the vastness of the ocean, it has, still has to be completely explored. Even the, how deep the ocean uh, is, there has be, it hasn't been explored just yet. It's so deep, it's so vast, that it, it, it ruins the submarines when they try, and it hurts the, the divers. They can't go too deep because they run out of oxygen. Same thing with the space. And that's how God describes His love for us. How deep and how wide His love is. Now, this, this is the answer. If I'm not making sense, hopefully this will make sense for you. This is to be rooted and grounded in Christ's love for us. Through the cross. That's why we're going to observe the Lord's Supper tonight. Because this is, this is the whole point of it. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners... Christ died for us. So when you're living your life and you failed, 
this week. Basically, you sinned against him. You feel like I didn't love God there. True, you did not love, feel, love God there. But you have to reach down with your roots in your heart for Christ's love for you. See, Christ knew, God knew that we cannot save ourselves. God knew it from the very beginning. So his love for us happened while we were still his enemies. And the crucifixion, him dying on the cross, is the ultimate proof of his love for us. And that is where we need to put our roots in. That is where we need to put our roots in. That's where, that, this is where we need to be grounded. And this needs to be our foundation. His love for us. This is how you can have Christ dwell in your hearts permanently. Now this is encouraging for us. Now it, it, you could be prideful and say, well, you know, I've been doing that because I've been walking faithfully. So the second you fail, the second you sin, go back to this. The second a storm hits your life and you start wondering if God loves you, go look at the cross. Go look at the cross. A.W. Tozer said in his book, A Disruptive Faith, that is how the love of God is. He loves you not because you are worthy, but because He is God and you are a fixture in His mind. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm the first guy to tell you I'm one of His unworthy servants. Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, every time I disciple somebody, I always look at myself in the mirror and I say, why me, Lord? Why me? Because I truly know who I am apart from Christ. I truly know who I am apart from Christ. Now, if we're all going to be honest, actually, are we really deserving of God's love? If you look at your day-to-day, -day, are you truly deserving of God's love? If you look at your week, if you look at the year, are you truly deserving of God's love? But you know what God said? You have, Paul said to be rooted and grounded in the love of Christ that he has for us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that amazing? Doesn't that encourage you? Now, when we do that, when you re realize that or when you replay that over and over again in your heart and when you say it to yourself, what does that mean? What does that do? Hopefully, it breeds obedience. Hopefully, it makes you want to live for Him. Now, again, the difference of the Ten Commandments is fear, right? Oh, if you don't do this, you go to hell. No, we all deserve to go to hell until Christ Right? Until Christ died on the cross for us. And then we all of a sudden go to heaven because of Christ's sacrifice if we accept that gift. Right? So now that should be breed gratitude and gratitude breeds obedience. That's why there's a great need for us to be rooted and grounded in the love of Christ for us. Not our love for Christ. Because our love for Christ will go away the second a big temptation comes our way. Yes, yeah, some of you probably don't fall in the lust part when it comes to sensuality. But maybe greed when it comes to money. Okay, maybe you've passed that test. Maybe you're in the gossiping part. Right? Now, if you've been gossiping about me, how imperfect I am, guess what? This is what I'm going to say. 
after you've gossiped about me, pray for me that I live a perfect life just like you. Okay? Because we all fall. We all fall. Time and time again, we will all fall. Right? But again, you look at this thought from A.W. Tozer. It is not us. God's character is love. And because of that character in him, he made a way for fallen people, people that do not deserve his love, that he gave his only begotten son. Now, let's put it together now, okay? I have 13 minutes. Ephesians 3.17 says again, to 19, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, length, and depth, and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. When we think about the breadth or the wideness of His love, with His stretched out arms on the cross, you have to look at that. If you want to look at how wide Christ's love for you is, you look at the cross and you look at His arms spread out. And then you will realize, and then you will realize, if you want to realize His length, His love, His length of love for us, you have to understand that in Revelation 13.8 it reads, And all the people who belong to this world worship the beast. They are the ones whose names were not written in the book of life that belongs to the Lamb who was slaughtered before the world was made. You say, imagine that. See, that's how long God's love is. That before the foundations of the world, Christ already knew that He was going to go to the cross for your sins and mine. From the, before the foundations of the world. And His sufferings were up, to, uh, were up to now for us an imaginably horrible crucifixion. Now, it wasn't an easy thing for Him to pay. It was a horrible way to die. The most horrible up to now on record to die, to be tortured, is through crucifixion. And our Christ did that for us because of His love for us. Now, if you're in a relationship and you're not feeling love, think about Christ's love for you. Think about Christ's love for you. But I, because I understand, you being married doesn't necessarily mean you're not alone. Some of the loneliest people are the married people, right? So you have to understand, if you feel like you're not being loved, if you are alone and you are not married, you're not connected with anybody, you're not in a relationship, you are in the best relationship with Jesus. With Jesus. We think of how deep Jesus' love went for us when on the cross He cried out. This is how deep His love is for us. When He cried out, think about it, when He cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He became sin for us to a point that He lost His intimacy with God the Father, whom He truly cherished. He felt utter deep emptiness. Deep emptiness. That's how deep He went for us. Emptiness and loneliness. Now when we want to think about the height of His love, we look up and see Him on the cross. You imagine it. You look up and He's lying there on the cross. He's, he's there. His body's there on the cross for you, His love for you. 
That's how high it is. And you hear him saying this. You hear him saying this. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. Luke 23, 34. That's how, that's how much God loves us. So, see, if you read, if we read, when we read Ephesians 3.17, normally you just go one verse to the next to the next, so you can go to the next ver chapter, right? But if you examine every word that's been written down there for us, when Paul said that, we need to know the width, the length, the deepness, the height of God's love for us, and we need to reach down to that, His love for us, in order for us to live for Him. Now, it doesn't, he says there, right, surpasses all understanding. It doesn't make sense why God loves us. People say, when, when, especially one of my, my last, not two of my last uh, uh, funeral service here, a guest came to me and he goes, yeah, I, don't know, I don't know about God being loving, man. I don't know why he took my 14-year-old daughter. If he is so loving, why did he let my daughter die? Now, yeah, that's painful, right? I have a 14-year-old girl that's going to be 15 who's sick right now, and I'm worried about her. But see, for, for God to take a young life like that, you, you know, it rattles you to the core. It shakes you to the core. But see, if, if we want to really think how loving God is, why does He even have all of us live? If God is not loving, everybody should die after we've sinned. And if we are to die after we've sinned, nobody will be here. Right? So just the fact that God allows us to live until we meet Him, until we hear the gospel... That is the proof of God's love for us. And for Him to be the one to provide the way out for the consequences of our sin against Him, that should prove His love for us. But then, you know, I get it. Life becomes about what? Bills, right? Mortgage, car payments, fashion, social media, everything else, right? And then when all these things that are passing, passes us by, then we don't have any foundation. If it's, a, if it's our career that we are holding on to, to find value with our life, and then we lose it, where do we, where do we look for that ground? Where do we look, where do we reach down and say, I am still loved despite the fact that I don't have a career anymore? Or if it's with our relationships, what do we do when our relationships are done when our lose our when we lose our spouse physically or when they leave us for another woman or another guy right but see that's why there's a great need for us to focus on God's word when Paul said we need to root down and be grounded in Christ's love for us the only way we can truly know that which passes knowledge is to consider the height the depth, the length, and the breadth of the cross, that which was rooted and grounded on the hill called Calvary. We are also reminded of this every time we partake of the Lord's Supper. So if I can please have Deacon Orley and Deacon John here, because this is one way that we are always reminded of God's love for us, is when we observe the Lord's Supper. Amen?
when we realize these truths, we can draw from the love of God. And that is not coming from us. That is from God. So that is the end of our message. But with the message, we are application is the Lord's Supper. Deacon John, and please use the mic. We're not going to use this. Well, we can. <laughs>